1: tell her, late feet. You have one new message.
0: Hey guys, Jeff Speakman here. I need some help. Uh, there's a bunch of Steven Seagal wannabes in Kim's store breaking things, and I need to come down and straighten them out. And, and straighten him out as well, if you don't mind.
2: Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but.
1: He looks like anyone else you'd pass on the street. Give me your money now, sucker. Except for one thing. You want my money? Huh? Is this what you want? He has a slight attitude. No problem.
2: Paramount Pictures presents international Kenpo star, Jeff Speakman.
0: You should be more respectful of our organization. Is there a problem here? Yeah, guess so.
1: Everybody in Koreatown knows Young killed Kim, dick. Tracy. Now,
2: we are ready. He has no gun. No fear. Are you faster in a speeding bullet? No equal. No problem. In his explosive motion picture debut, Jeff Speakman is the perfect weapon. A lot of people know there are a lot of different kinds of weapons in the world, right? There's all kinds of weapons, but there's only one weapon, maybe two, that we could really classify as being perfect. Wouldn't you say
0: yeah, you're right. I think there truly is only one perfect weapon. And it's not it's not a sigh. It's not a nunchuck. And it's He Man's sword.
2: Let's just get it out of the way yeah, right now. I mean let's call No it what other sort He Man's Can turn a sword. wimpy a wimpy little nothing <laughs> into the the man, the most muscular, strangely hair dude man in the world. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, but let, let, let's not, let's not go so, uh, universal. Let's right. like, right. let's, let's Masters narrow of the, the scope.
2: Universal, right.
0: Let's narrow the scope to not global. Let's go even more tighter, close in a little bit more, uh, national. No, go even closer. Um, state focused. No, no, go even closer. Okay. Okay. Let's go to regional, Los Angeles regional. specific for the perfect weapon. Do you think there is one perfect weapon in Los Angeles, say around the year nineteen ninety
2: one? Wow. Um it's <laughs> a really good question. I've I've thought about this a lot in my lifetime, and yeah, I would say there probably is only one perfect weapon in the Los Angeles Whittier area circa nineteen ninety one.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right.
2: And um, yeah, and I guess perfect, we should well, beat beat around the, I don't, it's the the strangest lead up we've ever had. But
0: what? I feel like I feel like there's mystery to it. There's enough mystery. I, you know, it just dawned on me that when people click on this episode, the title of the episode is there. So. They know what oh, we're going to yeah. be talking Oh yeah, no, about.
2: right. There's there's no surprises. We're not uh, we're not just. I mean, the surprise would be if we were not talking about Jeff Speakman, but we were talking about um, nunchucks. Yes, that would be a real
0: bait and switch. It would be. What if we were? What if this whole episode was purely about? Me opening up an issue of Black Belt magazine from circa nineteen ninety and looking at the back of the book when where the catalog uh-huh. is and just running down every ninja accessory, every martial art accessory you can think of. And that's what we were kind of focused on. Shuriken? Shuriken, right? Shuriken. Yeah. And then the Ashkaraji sword from Ninja No, it's I just
2: call them throwing stars because it's I'm not gonna get caught up in And making an an embarrassing faux pas with my Japanese.
0: Yeah, who would want to do that? Yeah. Well, who has done that? I think I have. So I'll take the full credit on that.
2: With your Japanese?
0: (laughs) I'm sure I've bastardized everything at some point, shape, or form. But I've done it with a smile on my face, a la Jack Tripper.
2: Right. I mean, and that's the difference between you and most politicians, you know, where it's like you you can own when you're like, oh, that's wrong.
0: Yeah, I own up to it. You're not like,
2: oh, yeah, yeah,
0: when you're, you're wrong. I own up to the fact that uh, today, on this episode of $2 Late Fee, talking about 1991's The Perfect Weapon, I own up to the fact that um, I, I have only seen this movie maybe three times in my entire life, which is kind of a big deal. Dustin knows it's a big deal with me because I watch movies over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I saw this movie when it came out in the theater. I do know that for a fact. And then I maybe watched it again a few years later and then hadn't watched it again until um, uh, right around the time we interviewed Jeff Speakman, our upcoming interview Uh, next week. I mean, this,
2: this is kind of upsetting to hear that you've only watched three times.
0: Yeah. I mean, from beginning to end, not, you know i've watched clips i've watched segments of it i started watching it turned it off i owned it i owned it for a long period of time and then never watched it you know or i would have it on in the background but fully sitting down immersing myself in the perfect weapon um only a handful of times maybe more than three
2: so you don't own it anymore is what you're saying
0: oh i own the blu-ray now yeah
2: oh okay but that's like a new purchase for this right
0: Yeah, I don't own like the VHS from Suncoast. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: But I did have the poster on my wall.
2: Oh, okay. Wow. So you ran the risk of somebody coming in and being like, remember that scene? And you're
0: like, I don't. I don't remember. But I will say, I will say, it, 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 and I fact checked this with my mom actually. Um, This was the movie that got me into Kempo Karate. This was the, specifically, this was the movie that I said, oh, I want to learn that style Hmm. because of this movie. And
2: how did you phrase the question? Were you like, hey, mom, did I learn Kempo because of uh, The
0: Perfect Weapon? And she's like, yes. It went a little something like this. Hey, mom. Yes, sweetie. Um, did I start taking Kenpo karate because of the 1991 movie The Perfect Weapon, starring Jeff Speakman? <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. Wow. That's how it that is. Wow. How was yep. that for a reenactment?
2: That was great. That was, I felt like I was there. I felt like I uh, was was part of your family. <laughs> uh, uh, no,
0: I, I I remember specifically. I'm like, look um i i started i got into martial arts in ninety one i was uh i was what thirteen years old fourteen years old mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yep. um fifteen i was fifteen and i found all the photos of myself my mom would come and take pictures of me sparring and whatnot and my tournament and everything and um, oh you were in a tournament wow yeah I got third place oh fancy. I still have the trophy oh my god do you I do, you? do. it's in Bodie's room now
2: all right, so we gotta take Anyways. a quick time out anybody listen listen listeners welcome first of all listener I'm just taking a quick time <laughs> yes. out to say if you if you're a first time listener of the show welcome this is uh two dollar late fee right we uh eighties movies blah 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 but um, if you are a regular listener, you know that Zach is a collector. He owns most of the movies in the world. Um, that we, we don't cover on the where, show, at least. We, yeah, I mean, uh, that we cover on the show, that we don't cover on the show, that we've maybe thought about one time. Um, you know, you have a have a good uh, uh, passion for the collecting, whereas I'm just like, I don't. I don't, I don't, that's just going to sit there and I, I can just stream it for <laughs> a dust. dollar and it'll be fine. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have a lot of, yeah, a lot of crap. And then when I go through it, I feel better. And, um, but then I also have a problem too. Cause where I'm like, Oh, th- th- this is worth something. This seems like a lot of motivation to sell it. And I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to meet people and like here, do you want to buy I just don't have the truth. So, true. um, Anyway, so all that to being said all all that to say um that you um yeah you 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 own most of the, most of the things, and so the blu ray for the perfect weapon, you just like you just bought that you're like i just i'll just I'll just have that to own, you probably won't watch it for another million years, but you'll always have that blu ray of the perfect weapon nineteen ninety one which is what we're talking about today
0: yeah yeah depth. i i love I love physical media. It's just something that I've always loved, um, and we we had booked Jeff Speakman, upcoming guest. Uh, super excited about that. He was he was excited to be on the show. Spoke to him on the phone about it. He said, "Yeah, you know, I'd love to be on." And I'm like, "Okay, Dustin, we kind of watched The Perfect Weapon pronto, and Dustin and I both have a love for this movie. I think I love this movie more now." in my nostalgic loving period that I'm in um, than I did maybe 10 years ago or so. Um, You know, watching it the other night and, and, and taking kind of extensive notes on certain scenes and just really like analyzing what, what I thought worked, what didn't work. Um, Forget all the stuff that didn't work because it's such a tight little movie. It's right up Dustin's alley. It's like under 90 minutes. And, uh, and it just, it, yeah. it checks all the boxes. It's got uh, so many things in it that work. And to this day, like it, it, what, thinking back, I'm like, man, I I, I wish I would have watched this more often because I did. We are of the generation that did watch movies more than once. Um, you know, we didn't have the accessibility that we have now to everything. So we just did. We nope. just watched it over and over and over again. And so I was watching Rapid Fire, which came out a year later with with uh, Brandon Lee or, you know, watching uh, Showdown in a Little Tokyo. Like those were the movies that I would watch over and over again. And Perfect Weapon also came out around the time. Um, ninety eighty nine, ninety ninety one was when the martial art craze straight to video craze was just taking off. Right. Uh, Don yep. the Dragon Wilson yep. was a staple of VHS tapes everywhere. Cynthia Rothrock, Richard Norton, uh, Gary Daniels, Jeff Wincott, all these like known people that were on straight-to-video boxes. Jeff Speakman comes along at a time when Van Damme, Seagal, and for the most part Norris were still kind of dominating um, the martial art genre. On screen, and so Speakman was a f- a breath of fresh air to mainstream audiences because it wasn't the same old shit. It was a new guy, and I know in some respects people are like, "Oh, he's, he gives a wooden performance or whatever." I'm like, "No, I actually don't agree with that. I think he does a really good job. I think he does as fine a job as all the other quote unquote uh, martial art action stars of that day," and. For me, I was like, oh, this is cool. I this is I like this guy. He's new, he's fresh. What's that karate he does? Kempo? I wanna take Kempo and the rest is history with that. Um we'll talk a little bit about that with Jeff in our interview. And uh I mean man, the the perfect weapon was such a was it's such a badass flick and I love it. Um how about you? You love it too, don't you?
2: I do love it. I do love it. Um uh for, okay for those that might not be familiar um what we're talking about here is Jeff Speakman and Kenpo um, Kenpo was a very it, it was it was a martial art that had not been seen uh certainly on American film uh prior to this and what's interesting to note about Jeff Speakman is that he is one of these he is a true martial artist. He's first and foremost. He's not um, He's not an actor who then studied martial arts. Martial arts has always been at the forefront of everything that he's doing. It's, it has guided him to where he is today. So even when he was doing this movie and becoming an action star, it wasn't, I want to be an action star. I mean, I'm sure that that was a part of it. But it was really, I want to... I want to demonstrate kempo and get uh more interest in kempo and I want to be accurate and authentic uh to this art form and so um so that's really interesting and unusual and and and, and very noble in my mind um noble and notable because you know you've got this guy who um to your point he's just throwing these wild punches i had never seen anything like that i was i wasn't sure what to make of it you know all the films yeah. that i loved really were they were they were there was always a roundhouse kick it was always i was always infatuated with a roundhouse kick a good a good roundhouse a, a spin the more spins you could do i'd be like wow and here's a guy who's spinning but he's spinning with his fists and you're like what what do i i don't know what to make of this um and, yeah, and, and that was kind of my my first thought, uh, you know, in 91, and seeing those trailers and being like, who is this guy? And, you know, kind of feeling, too, at that time being like, I, you know, it, it felt a little silly, as I remember, too. Like, I remember being like, you know, because it'd always be Chuck Norris, you know, and it'd be like, Jeff Speakman. you like, what? Yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Is that guy real? Yeah. Yeah um do i believe that guy but um but same as you i mean this is this is this is a very subtle um but also very well acted performance because i think
0: so yeah
2: it it really is and he and he delivers lines that require sarcasm with just the right amount of sarcasm um and i'm trying to think of uh you know some of the some of the better examples of it but it's you know there's there's one scene where he's kind of like walking through a gym and he's trying to like find an informant or, or somebody and we'll yeah, we'll talk yeah. about the the premise premise but this is just because we're talking about it now you know and it's like hey can i ask you a few questions you know and the guy's what is it the guy says you know fuck you or, or ignores yeah. or whatever and he's just like guess not you know it's just it's just yeah. that's well feel- played it,
0: and he follows up with that. I wonder if I could kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. Right. When he, when he meets the other guys and. Yep. You know, they're like, get out of here. Quilo or whatever, you know, whatever. It's yeah. just like, wonder if I could kick your ass? All your asses. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, like, wow. Um, but. I think we should probably explain a little bit about, about, you know, the basic premise of this movie. And that is. Jeff Speakman plays a character by the name of a real, a real stretch here by the name of Jeff Sanders. Yeah. It's you're like, It's so, Stop. such a, so, so, so different than, uh, than his <laughs> real name. And, uh, you know, Jeff grows up, he has some, uh, some trouble. He's got a lot of anger. He's a, he's a boy with anger issues. His, uh, dad, uh, sends him away to study Kenpo to try and give him some discipline. And, um, you well, know, I want to I
0: he... want to quickly interrupt you by asking yeah, you a question because of, on, on that topic, his dad's a cop, right? He's got a little brother who ends up becoming a cop as well, and the dad is like concerned that he's that he's, yeah, he's got this temper, and he's got to control the temper, right? They don't really go into too much of what he's done though. Do they they never really do, except for that one incident that comes on later when he becomes a teenager.
2: Well, I, I have a whole problem with this entire dad relationship because just Same. just overall, like not only do they not talk about what he's done, but he goes and he follows all the rules that his dad implements on him and then his dad is so angry at him to the point where it it makes zero zero sense like i did not buy that kind of that kind of anger especially because the uh, inciting incident is he's protecting his brother yes like what the fuck is your problem dad like he's actually defending his brother he's not he's not an antagonist he gets pushed to a point He's forced to defend himself, and then you kick him out of the house, yeah because you're afraid what he th- he's gonna kill his brother like it makes no sense. it absolutely makes no sense, and that is one thing that they they're like, well, how are we gonna get him to the place to the i mean how are we gonna like how are we gonna justify that he hasn't seen his you know you're like uh, any number of ways, and this is not a good one
0: and their mom is so, dead right their mom's their mom had had died, yes
2: yes so and you um,
0: you know take take away from that that he's got anger issues maybe because he's sad that his mom's gone or something who knows
2: yeah i mean i i'm totally on board with the anger issues but when you know when when a friend comes by and uh and says um you know i know what can help this i, I know what can help your son and it's yeah. studying kempo and and then he goes and studies Kempo, and then you get mad at him for being like some kind of like out of control killer guy, which he's not.
0: No, he's not. But um, I in, in in much to the defense of his uh of his mentor, um his two mentors in, in the movie, yeah, right? He's got two mentors. His, his, his sensei and uh and 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 his friend Kim, right? Master Lo and uh played by Seth Sakai, and then Kim played by Mako, who's a legend yep. of cinema in so many ways, yeah. Conan and, and, and sidekicks. <laughs> yep. Um, of course. Uh, Legend
2: of sidekicks. Yeah.
0: He's got these two mentors that don't treat him the way his dad does. They don't treat him that way. Cause his dad's right. like, I want you out of this house. Like a dick. Cause he's a, you know, but they're like, yeah. no, we're going to show you there's, there's the tiger and the dragon. And right now you're the tiger and you need, need to be more like the dragon. Be, yeah.
2: You got the tiger ring that, that plays a big part in this movie. Which is a well, badass twisting ring, of the ring. Way. Yeah. And you, you own that, yeah?
0: No, I don't. Uh, that, that's oh, actually okay. one of the things that got me into Kempo. I'm like, do you get a ring? Yeah. But I didn't.
2: You just showed up like wanting your ring and they're like, what's wrong with this kid?
0: Well, and you had um, also said too that this movie is such a, uh, a focus on Kempo karate specifically. Uh, Ed Parker, who... Create, who's like the the father of kempo uh was on set and was really a huge piece of uh of giving like the knowledge of paying proper tribute to this martial art form in the movie
2: yeah jeff speakman uh as you listeners will learn uh you know basically sold everything and moved across the country to study with ed parker i mean that is the level of discipline and motivation that he had to be the best kenpo student uh around yeah he yeah was like i'll do whatever it takes yeah you don't see that much anymore no i'll do I, whatever I really, it takes
0: i appreciate no. the uh the dedication
2: A lot of people these days would be like, oh, I moved across country I don't really like this. All right. Guess I'll go home.
0: Guess I'm going back. (laughs) Well, and then his character travels cross-country, well, not cross-country, cross a couple state lines uh, to avenge the death of his friend Kim, right?
2: Yes. Yes. So Kim... Uh, before we get there, should we say too that um, uh, you know we we kind of kind of played this song leading into it, and obviously the oh yeah the song of the day there is a there is a clear winner in the song of the of the day about I've got the power, but um, that that song uh, leads us into the movie. It's the kind of opening montage song, and what I love right off the bat is like you know. Um, Jeff, I know, I know you have said like, oh, I don't know if he's part of like a work release program or whatever. He's on this yeah. construction site. I don't know what's going on, but he leaves this construction site. He drives, and um, we we see him like pretty much immediately like topless doing his kempo moves <laughs> while I've got yeah. the power place, and um, and then the montage ends, and the 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 cheesiest whitest DJ. Just chimes in as, like, hey, you know, you've got the power too on 107.7, and it's like, and like Rick d's fun. or something. I've got the power, hey, they got the
1: power, and we got the power too, right here on FM 109. Right now, it's 54 big degrees in downtown Santa Fe with a low tonight of 42 degrees. It is 845. You're like, wait a minute
2: were to believe that this is what he was listening to this is what Jeff Speakman was listening to it it's like this yeah. funny reveal at the very end cuz you're like all oh, right it's just like a montage but then it's like hey hey, hey cats and kittens you're you got the power out there too you know what i mean <laughs> hey and um yeah and then he puts on his shirt and goes <laughs> goes you know
0: oh, it's hilarious it's hilarious he goes to call his buddy kim who owns a hands up like a
2: antiques shop or like a yeah. a sundries
0: yeah sund- sundries <laughs> a bodega yeah. i don't know <laughs> um no not a bodega a uh, of hodgepodge of stuff. a hodgepodge but, yeah a a, a tchotchke yeah. shop and uh, yeah man, it really is it, and it starts the action starts right away you you like you cut the fat this movie really cuts the fat out of so many action movies that of the of its time that maybe went on maybe 10 minutes too long. You know, just trim this, trim that. Mm-hmm. This cuts mm-hmm. straight to the chase. You you see how yep. badass he is doing his Kempo moves. I guarantee you he was not listening to uh, I Got the Power when he's doing his moves. <laughs> Probably wasn't even, there wasn't any music playing at all. Um, but, you know, you cut straight to the chase. Oh, in real time, you mean? No. Yeah, no, yeah, when right. they filmed it. Right. Um, no. But you cut straight to the chase that he's got a, uh, Kim, his his mentor that looked out for him as a child, uh, is in danger in Los Angeles. He's in New Mexico. He's got to get his way out to L.A., and he does. Um, it, and it takes, and that's where you get all the flashbacks of what led him to to wind up in New Mexico.
2: It's pretty effective storytelling if yeah. you think about it. Like over the course of this one drive, he's going to flash back to every key milestone for you the audience everything that you need to know you're going to learn right now in a short amount of time um very strategic flashback placements childhood anger um you know studying kempo like flirting with a girl while he gets punched in the stomach you know it's it's yeah. it's all important to who jeff's character is um and by the time he arrives you're like all right I got it I got yep.
0: it. But by the way, so I'm a big fan. When, when you're flashing back to totally agree with you, first of all, and when you're flashing back to him as a teenager, did you think that he looked like a, a young version of Ken Oland from summer school?
2: Oh, that's very funny. Yes. Yes. Was it Ken? Olin?
0: No, it wasn't. Was,
2: was that? No, it wasn't him. No. I didn't, I meant to check. I'm like, actually.
0: that dude looks just like Ken Olin. What if it's um, it really
2: does look like, it really does look like, like him. Absolutely. And uh, the other thing I'll say about that is uh, there is no pole vaulting in the fall. So that kind of stuck out to me. Um, You know, spring track, guys. You know, I I don't know about you, but there was, you know, fall was football. Fall was soccer. Fall was cross country. Um, Fall was not pole vaulting. And yeah. You're right. So I don't know. That's so nitpicky because obviously that pole vault is important.
0: It is important for us to know that he's a pole vaulter. It is important. It's also important to know that, well, you know, you know what? Uh, Um, that's, I'm just double checking because I was in track when, when I remember specifically, I was at a track meet when Brandon Lee died. And oh yeah, you're right. Because that he died in, um, I feel like he died in the spring of right before the crow was released. Um, so mm. track mm-hmm. would have been in the springtime. Is that track yeah. for you? Literally in figure. Yeah.
2: Spring. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was some winter track. There was some spring track. Yeah. There was no fall track.
0: <laughs> well, and Jeff Speakman was a former track guy, um, And, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's, there's that connection there, but yeah, he looks like the teenager to me was a spitting image of Ken Olin that actor, by the way, um, really didn't appear. He If you go on IMDb, he doesn't even have a headshot. So I don't think he's Mm. doing much nowadays, Mm. but, um, but you get a sense right away of, of the, the whole story. The action is pretty much relentless to the point where throughout this movie, I was, I was like, does does Jeff is Jeff like not getting any sleep? Is he just going every single day without sleep? You know, that's funny
2: too. I always think about that stuff too in movies. Like, has he eaten? Has he slept? Has he gone to the bathroom? Yeah, didn't seem like it.
0: Nope, and he doesn't really change his clothes all that much either. I mean, he does change his clothes, but Mm -mm. not all that much. But when you when you were talking about the scene where he goes into (sighs) the boxing gym or. To look for, uh, to get more clues as to who eventually, because you find out pretty soon into the movie that uh, his, his, his mentor, Kim, is killed, is murdered. And he's trying to get answers for that. And when he goes into the gym and he's getting all sweaty, I'm like, did he shower after that? Because if yeah. not, he's probably pretty stinky. Yeah. Just
2: saying. It's, the whole thing is real, is real bold like i'm just gonna walk into this place i it's not my turf i don't know what i'm doing and i'm clearly the only white guy um and i'm not very good in interrogation so i'm just gonna challenge everybody to fights for information which is doesn't i mean what a weird thing right like if like you were at the gym and someone was like i want information but they just assumed that you had that information yeah because you Cause you were working out there. Like, I know that, you know, who I'm looking for. And you're like, I'm actually not, I don't, you know, I don't even, I'm just visiting too, dude. Like, I don't, wh- why do you think I know anything about what you're talking about? Cause you, cause you're Asian and you're and you're here and you, you look like you're part of that gang. It's like,
0: what? No. Shit.
2: So I, I, well, I mean, really, that's no, kind of right. what it was like, right. because those guys don't give him what he needs. Cause no. they, they're not the guys that have that information.
0: Did you recognize one of those guys, by the way?
2: Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. James Liu? Um, yeah, James Liu is, is in everything.
0: Well, because this, this movie came out a couple years after Best of the Best, and James Liu plays Seijin Kwan in that movie, who has yeah. his epic battle with Eric Roberts' character, Alex Grady. And I'm like, holy shit, it's Seijin Kwan. Oh, this is going to be a badass movie. that's
2: real. Disappointing, yeah,
0: it is, yeah, because well, you know, Jeff obviously kicks everybody's ass, but it's a pretty epic fight scene. It's a pretty epic fight scene,
2: right? But it's not like, and I appreciated that it's not like he came in and just kicked everyone's ass, and then no, that was it. Like he, it, he was getting his ass kicked a lot,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: He didn't look good, he didn't look good by the end.
0: No, it was nice to see back and forth,
2: which I appreciated.
0: And, and this this movie not only shares the connection of uh one best of the best connection, but another best of the best connection with John Dye who's in Best of the Best is Virgil.
2: John Dye in this movie has the worst haircut I have ever seen on a man.
0: Is it worse than I, David from uh American Flyers?
2: Yes. It is because David's haircut is just. This is a thirty-year-old man that we gave a bad haircut to make him look like he's nineteen. John Dye's hair is like, it's like Prince Valiant. Prince Valiant. It's it's, it's so indescribably awful. I think we should probably do like a top five worst haircuts or something. That's a great. Or top five. Great idea. Something. Um. He's my number one, like when the second he's on the screen, I'm like, i can't I can't turn away. He's your number one. His hair is t- terrible i th- I mean, I'm just saying that as a gut reaction. I'm yeah, sure if yeah. I dug deeper fair enough, yeah, there'd be some some bad haircuts, but this is a and and to, and to be clear, I'm talking about bad haircuts that are not designed to be bad. It's not like we're giving you a bad haircut for the role it's you just have a bad haircut. It's not intentional, is what I'm saying. Do you
0: think it was intentional to make him look younger than his brother Jeff? Because he, because John Die plays um, Adam Sanders, Jeff's little brother, who follows in his father's footsteps and becomes a cop, a detective, who's actually on the case of, you know, who who killed Kim. Do you think that was intentional I, to make I him? I don't look think younger? it was. No. No.
2: I don't.
0: I'm like trying. It. I'm fishing.
2: I don't. Well, it's nice of you to defend the haircut.
0: Oh, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying, like, what was the motivation behind it?
2: <laughs> um, Other than... Well, you know, it, it, hair that's just distracting. Yes. You know, we're like, what's going on? It, like, doesn't move, but it's terrible. And, um, yeah, the character of Adam's a tough one for me. Yeah, I feel like I've gone into this weird hating mode about this movie and I, and i and I don't mean to be because I really do like this movie a lot um but Adam doesn't do much for me um well
0: he's on his dad's side you're not i feel like you're not hating on it you're hating on the things that I equally kind of dislike too I really dislike his father's character and if there was an extra five minutes they could tack onto this a little bit of explanation as to why his dad is has such a bad like animosity towards his son jeff Um, yeah right and 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 then yeah the 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 the, his little brother who he's reunited with at the crime scene of kim's death um is is you know he's got a chip on his shoulder too just like his dad in a way um but there's there's you know signs of light there I don't want to skip over the fact, too, that the person who kills Kim is Professor Toru Tanaka, who is a former professional wrestler and um, just a big hulk of a dude who, yeah. in very in very much, I'm like, at one point in this movie, I'm like, this is like the, this dude's like the Terminator because he just keeps going and going and, you know, relentless.
2: Yep. Yep, he's, he's... um I mean, really, he's the perfect weapon. The, the thing about the this title of this movie, Fair enough is well, the perfect weapon is an ironic. It's kind of an ironic thing because I I can't really say why it's ironic without giving away some spoilers, so spoilers, haha. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't really want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it, but it's 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 basically the perfect weapon from the standpoint of the enemy if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, it, yes, it's, it's it's how the enemy approaches an outsider, a white man in a world that they can use him to inadvertently on his end start a war.
0: Yes. You know, you're it, right. You're right. Um yeah. this isn't giving anything away. Uh you I think we might have said this and if we did not I'm going to say it now this the, the cast is really amazing in this movie because uh James Hong who is like at this point 97 years old I think we all know who James Hong we didn't
2: is. say it we didn't say it we didn't well, James Hong was not 90, 91 and not ninety seven no 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 movie. no
0: I'm saying like now he's yeah. in his 90s um, right present, day. present yes, day yes yes and and he's and he has a very important role in this movie um Carrie hiyoka Tagawa who I Love from Showdown in Little Tokyo, for one. Uh, he's got what might appear at... at in a, uh, what might seem to be a small role at one point turns into a much bigger role later on in the movie. Again, no spoilers. <laughs> um, and then there is uh, Dante Bosco, because people always go, don't forget about Dante Bosco. Dante Bosco... <sighs> I've got mixed feelings about character wise. It's a little bit like, yeah, I could have done without his character in very much the same way I could have done without, you know, certain character sidekick characters in other movies. I'm never really a big fan of like the comedic sidekick character. Um, Yeah. No no disrespect.
2: That doesn't quite land, you know, I mean, Dante Bosco has always stood out to me. He's kind of, He's kind of been an inside joke for me my entire life because really? when he appeared in when he appeared as Rufio and Hook, mm-hmm. um, and what year was Hook? Oh, that was that was also ninety one. Oh, interesting. Didn't know that. Um, you know, I thought I, I you know Hook is kind of I, I have very strong feelings about Hook and I they're not really positive. <laughs> um, and, and the Rufio thing like that was always so silly to me and my roommate uh at NYU Mitch still a dear friend of mine he he bears a very fairly strong resemblance to Dante Bosco so when i met him i was like oh dante bosco so we went oh. back so we would so i would always i would always do this thing when we'd go out drinking where i would introduce him to girls as Dante Bosco. Now no Smart. one knows who da- no one knew who Dante Bosco oh, was. You know okay. this is also um you know uh east coast but then I would be like I think I would say you know he played Rufio in Hook. <laughs> and the amount of action that he got from this th- from this Ruse it was it was so, and it, you know and I loved it. It was so much fun for me too because it's so obscure that it made sense.
0: Um, it's obscure enough for people just to like not that. know like specifically what he looked like, but it's mainstream enough for people to go, oh, I know Hook, Steven Spielberg. So yeah. Of course. But also, right at
2: this time, and then this is late 90s, the internet kind of exists, but nobody's got smartphones. No one's no. looking anything up on the fly. Nope. And if you have convic- conviction to what you're saying, it's like everyone's just like, oh, yeah, for sure. But even if they had had smartphones, the resemblance is such where um and if you're interested I'll, i can give you a side by side, but it uh anyway, anyway, my, my why am I saying this because I feel like two dollar lathey is kind of born out of that kind of thing like our our love and acknowledgement of these people that no one knows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially at that time. But you and I know these things and like would make a note and I'm like, what's that actor's name? Dante Bosco. That's hilarious. I don't know why. I've run into Dante Bosco now, like at most parties, I feel like in LA. And it's like this weird full circle thing of like and I don't know that I've ever said that to him. Cause that feels like a weird thing to say to somebody. My friend, I used to pretend to be
0: you. Um, well when we have but- when we have him on the show, you can do that.
2: Yes. Yes. I mean, he's, he's totally accessible. Um, but what is my, yeah, so that's kind of my point. I hope that makes sense. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not really saying it in the best way, but like these, these people that no one would know at any point coming up, you know, the, the working actors, the non a list and the ones that were usually drawn to.
0: Well, to, to kind of piggyback on that and toot our horn a little bit more, I think that's why so often our guests on our show love being on our show because we acknowledge so many of the roles that may have been forgotten about. You know, obviously people who are fans of this movie, people who are fans of Dante Bosco know him from A Perfect Weapon as well because, I, and you kind of just said it earlier, it came out the same year as Hook. So everybody saw him in Hook. If you didn't go see Perfect Weapon in the theater, you definitely watched it on VHS because it was everywhere. Yeah. Um, but you know, like James Liu, James Liu has is is a behind the scenes has a huge, prolific career, uh, f- fight coordinating and 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 et cetera, et cetera, with a lot of movies that we love. Yeah. But if you go oh, but he was Seijing Kwan in Best of the Best. And people most mainstream people would go, well, first of all, what's Best of the Best? Second of all, yeah. what who's that? And you go, well, he was in Big Trouble in Little China. And you're like, oh, was he the main character? No, you know. Yeah. Uh, like you could run down the list of movies that he's been in if you are a connoisseur. Uh, and, and and Dustin and I very much it's forget the fact that we worked in a video store. Actually, don't forget that. Go check out Tales from the Video Store on our Patreon page because there's some great stories uh, that we tell on Tales from the Video Store. And check out all the other segments we have on Patreon. That's a quick little plug for that. But I, and I've told this story before, I would cut out the filmography of these of these actors that I saw on screen. And I would keep them in my wallet so I could check make a checklist of all the movies I saw them in. Uh, when I went to Suncoast Video, I knew which movie to buy because I had it in my little thing, you know, uh, on my little right, checklist. Right,
2: And I want to make a point here. I want to make a point. This is this is before IMDb. You're yes. not right. You're, you're you're so you're you're actually you're putting in the further work for the filmography. Um, you know, you're you're finding it from other sources, whether it's a magazine or a book or a Maybe you're going down to the library and searching the microfiche. We don't know, but you had to, it was a different time. You had to, you had to work hard to, you know, to, to gravitate towards what you, what you liked and, and do that research.
0: And you had to have a photographic memory because otherwise you're carrying around a bunch of pictures of these people in your wallet or whatever your backpack. And that's just weird, um, which I didn't do. You know, but the video stores did have like this book. Do you remember these books that I think Blockbuster had them? They were like yellow pages, but of movies. For sure. And you could go almost like a karaoke book. You could look up the movie, or then you could look up the mm-hmm. actor by name. And mm-hmm. uh, they would, I think, every several months they would cycle a new edition of them in the video store. So the old edition would be thrown out, and that's the one I'd get yep. and cut out, yep. Um or photocopy yep. it, right? But yeah, uh, Dante Dante Bosco has a has a small role in this movie, but it's a very important role in the movie. And again, I I actually like the fact that we're not we're not really giving too much away because I think there's still an audience that listens to us that hasn't seen The Perfect Weapon yet, right? And uh, you
2: would, I mean, yes, you I, have think to assume so. I think so.
0: I think so. And so, and if you've seen the movie, you know the plot. If you haven't seen the movie. It's a fun, to me. It reminds me of um. Uh, it, it's like a it's like a more stylized, hyped up, uh, television uh, episode, a pilot for a potential TV series, you know, and uh, and one of the, one of the trademark things that this movie has that separates it from Segal and Van Damme and Norris, is that the character of Jeff is um he while he's a total badass, he is not someone who kills people. And he's very specific and conscious of that, that he doesn't want to kill people. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's a, a, a cool statement to make. To the point where you could show this movie to a younger audience, you know, maybe ten years old. Um mm-hmm. because it's not gratuitous in any way. I think even like right. the finale where there is potential that someone might get killed. It's not done in a like overly, you know, Canon way, Like Canon films where they would, <laughs> right. You know, or new horizon or PM entertainment kind of, where it's super graphic. Uh, it's done in a way of like, okay, yeah, it's done. Cool. Move on. Move on. Book, book, end the movie yeah. with the, that's the song that opens the movie.
2: <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's very intentional. It's very intentional. Um and I you know, it really is. It's 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 a it's a fun it's a fun movie. I mean, I I I you know, I I took notes like you did and I just have like just some weird notes about like um uh when he's training with he's got his uh his sticks. You know when it when it gets real serious, he pulls out the, uh,
0: the canpo sticks. The... I don't
2: know what you the canpo sticks. I guess yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and he fucks up a perfectly good couch. You know, and you're like, well, you could have sold that couch. That was you know in, in Kim's store. Like, <laughs> could have sold that, but you just fucked it up with your sticks. <laughs> um, uh, Brands comb Richmond.
0: Oh yeah, um, I wrote that. In I this for like. I wrote that down. Branscombe. That's all I did. I wrote Branscombe Richmond.
2: (laughs) Well, love that guy. I further wrote, I further wrote that, that there's a native American in a Korean bar. Yes. Who's like heading up the gang and you're still like, all right. Yeah. Cause that was a time when it was like, all right, we'll just, we'll just throw you in here. And you're kind of racially ambiguous you know, where he's, he has like an Islander sort of a look to him. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be Asian, <laughs> but he's, he's native American. What,
0: um, what do you, what do you love? What do you love? What do you mostly know Branscombe Richmond from that you love him? In?
2: Well, I'll tell you, well, I tell you, there's, there's one, there's one scene that's always etched in my brain and, uh, and that is uh in Action Jackson when he is interrogating Action Jackson and he's like in Action Jackson's looking for a guy named Papa Doc. Where's Papa Doc? <laughs> <laughs> and there's some some balls in a balls in a jar. Branson Richmond's like, that's Papa Doc. You know, like like that that whole scene. <laughs> um, and I don't remember the entire back and forth, but yeah, it involves a very big knife and we're going to cut off your balls and you're going to sing for us. And um, and that, you know, has always stuck out for me because I'm like, wait, are they saying that the guy's testicles are in that jar? And they keep them? Because if you're the kind of person, I guess if you're the kind of person who's cutting off someone's balls, like if like that's, that's your way of torture or that's your thing, I guess maybe you do keep them. Because that's pretty intimidating if you pull them out of a jar and you're like, it's for the next guy. So I guess. But initially I was like, wow, why, why do you keep them?
0: That, that came out around the same time I feel like two. Funny Farm came out with Chevy Chase, which is not, by the way, fun fact, uh, spoiler, it's not funny. Uh, and he's eating Rocky, Mon- Rocky Mountain oysters. And I'm like, are those testicles? Oh, those are testicles. Oh, yeah. Yep. Just like an Jackson. Are,
2: those are, Those are absolutely testicles.
0: Um, but but James Liu is also in Action Jackson. James Liu, yep, yep, yep. And then um, and Al Leong, who I fucking love, by the way, Al Leong. Well, I know you love him. I know and he's your he, favorite mar-
2: martial arts scene in the world.
0: My God, yeah, you know it. And he's also in yeah. that same scene with Branson Richmond in uh, The Perfect Weapon.
2: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's I, I feel like there were guys who were just hired, right? Like as in groups of threes. I mean, let's let's even look at it, right? There's Heart to Kill. I'm just trying to look like now, like, have all these guys been in that one together? Um Cause Brands- uh, yeah,
0: Branscombe was his biggest role on Renegade, would you say, with Lorenzo Lamas?
2: Yeah, probably. That's what he's most well known for. But he uh, was never too young to die. Yeah.
0: No, no. He he he's he's been in so many Uh, a variety of things, so many things. And he's one of those guys that, I I, I mean, isn't, I feel like he's on your short list too of people you want on the show eventually. Um, I did put him on there because yeah,
2: for a lot of reasons, but I think he's, you know, very prolific. I think he's, um, yeah, he's very diverse. He was in LA bounty. One of your favorites.
0: The Wings Houser, baby.
2: I'm not sure what his, what his character was.
0: Small role, small role. Oh, well. And 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 you know, I think as a kid and even now as an adult, I watch movies or TV shows, um, and I just think, I I, I want to know the backstory on some of these actors that that maybe got forgotten about, you know, because they they weren't a bigger part in the movie. But Branscombe stands out because the dude is huge, by the way. Um, at least he he seems very imposing yeah. in that scene that that you're talking about, Dustin. And um uh and I and I love him overall in the movies that he's in. And I love that yeah. this movie is a yeah, you you go down the list of like, oh, I recognize that guy from this movie, and I recognize recognize this guy from that movie. And again, Kerry Hiro Kutagawa hadn't had uh I think showdown in little Tokyo came out after this and I feel like it did. And um, he didn't really start taking off in bigger roles until after the perfect weapon or, and so,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: but quite often martial art movies will surround the lead actor with solid character actors, supporting actors Right. And this movie does that. We already listed the majority of the people in this movie that are worth noting. Um, but, you know, Chuck Norris, they would always do that with the Chuck Norris movie. They'd have a great supporting cast. Uh, M. Ennett yeah. Walsh is in miss- Missing in Action, I think, and uh, at least one or no- number one or number two. You know, and you're like, holy shit. Or Clue uh, Gooliger is in the Octagon, not the Octagon, um, Force of One, I think. Uh, and just mm-hmm. like great or Lee Marvin in Del- the Delta Force, you know, where you go, oh, yeah. these guys may not be the best actors or they need a little bit of support around them. So we're going to get them quality supporting actors who can run circles around anybody else.
2: Right. Right.
0: Like Dante Bosco. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Dante Bosco is just like in the rafters of this place, like listening to this. You know, it's like none of it really makes any sense. No. Um, uh, But uh, yeah, you know, he's got that line like, everyone knows that dick, Tracy. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah.
0: And I, I had a question for you, too. Do you think that he's wearing Chuck Norris action jeans in this movie?
2: Mm, yeah probably
0: he is he's gotta be right Ga- gotta got be cause he's gotta kicking be. ass in jeans in jeans he's gotta, be, yeah, he's gotta, he's gotta be. be spandex in the crotch someday yeah. I will own a pair of those I'm surprised you don't I know I've tried
2: really surprised
0: why does Zach not own this
2: yeah that just didn't take
0: could be our an, another fit, new right? Patreon show <laughs> Why doesn't Zach own this? <laughs> and by the way, why does Zach own this is a great Patreon show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, please do that. Cheap plug, cheap plug, cheap plug. Um, I also want to talk about the fact that this movie, It, it when you said that towards the opening that the song, the power by snap is the song has to be the song for this movie. It's the only song we could go with in this movie because it's the only song that's really featured outside of the soundtrack. Um, oh, sorry, I-, I meant to go. Uh, I totally forgot about this. I spaced on it. There is one other really notable actor in this film that we that we didn't bring up at all. Um, like a Marishka Hargitay.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: isn't she Jane Mariska Mansfield's Hargitay. granddaughter or something like that?
2: Yes, yes, she is Jane Mansfield's daughter.
0: Oh, yeah, okay.
2: Of course, uh, anyone who's ever watched an episode of Law & Order SVU, 23 seasons, um, you know, at this point, she's a lieutenant, Lieutenant Olivia Benson. She's not captain yet? Uh, I mean, she's, she's captain, she's lieutenant, she's... She's everything. She really. She. She's always. She's more captain, but then she's not captain anyway. It, it's. It doesn't matter. She sometimes, you know, st- will fill in, and then she'll be back in the road, and she'll be back out in the field. And, um, but she, uh, yeah, uh, Mariska Hargitay has been involved in that show, uh, since the beginning. And that is what she's most well-known for. And to see her in The Perfect Weapon, you're like, wow. And then she says nothing.
0: Nothing. Zero lines. She, you see her like
2: four times. And um, it's really a shame. I don't, I, I, like, why even, why even have
0: that role? Well, we asked Jeff about, uh, specifically, I remember we asked him if, there were scenes that they cut out that they might have, you know, more kind of backstory. Yeah. Um, and You'll have to listen to that interview to find out what the answer is to that. I think I will. Um, I, I don't know. I <laughs> but yeah, I, I was I was noticing that. And then this is a little tease for next month, by the way, because we interviewed Nestor Serrano, actor Nestor Serrano, who's been in a million different things. But he was on Law and Order SVU, and I think it was our two dollar six question segment we did with him, where he tells a really funny story about Mariska and Chris Maloney. So doesn't Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. I think it's a two dollar six question, Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, it's really good stuff, guys. But that's coming up next month. But right now it's Martial Arts Madness. It's the the perfect weapon. This is the pre episode to our interview with Jeff Speakman, um, which you'll hear next week. And my God, this film is, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a tight movie. You can watch it in no time. It's, it's 83 minutes long.
2: It really is the perfect time for me. That, that, that's what they should call it. The perfect time. The perfect yeah, running time. It really is. It's the perfect weapon. It's the perfect running time. I like for anything. I mean, I just, I think everything should be 83 minutes. Podcasts shouldn't be more than 83 minutes. <laughs> Movies shouldn't be more than eighty-three minutes. TV shows should not be more than eighty-three minutes. Um,
0: Well, I will say, I will say really quickly, our our interview with uh, with Derek Wayne Johnson, which you guys hopefully listened to that episode. That was the one right before this one. If not, check it out. Um, That one goes a little long in a good way. It's like a, it's I think it's um. One hundred and seven minutes. So there you go.
2: 107 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and Derek Wayne Johnson directed uh, King of the Underdogs, which is the movie about John G. Alvidsson, um, who directed Rocky, who directed Karate Kid uh, trilogy. Um, So, yeah, no, it, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, <laughs> we can certainly say long in a good way, but I still think that 83 minutes is like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just great because then I'm, you know, I just feel good about everything. Yeah, I I agree with musicals, you. Musicals, I don't want musicals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eight three minutes.
0: I do because the ending of this movie just wraps up pretty quickly. And and there was a moment where I'm like, again, this isn't giving anything away, really, truly. Um, he he, Jeff has an interaction with his dad at the end of the movie where I'm just like, yeah. Actually, that tracks. I buy that. I would do the same thing to my dad too if he was a piece of shit. So, just like whatever, bye. <laughs> yeah, see ya.
2: Should we, see a piece of should shit. Should we talk dad. a little
0: bit about uh, Snap and the Power?
2: He, yeah, I don't know much about them. I've been remiss in my in my the Power.
0: So, Snap the, is a German Snap. Euro dance group. <laughs> Uh, mm. They came out in 1990, and that song "The Power" was their single off the album "World Power." They were very much I I I ach- aching them, uh, to CNC Music you Factory. Them, you say I I, I oh. feel like they're very similar to CNC Music Factory. Would you Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And "The Power" was huge. It was huge worldwide. It was a big dance song, and. Uh, obviously here in the United States, it was, it was everywhere. And when it was used for this movie, it's cool because it's a dance song and which it's funny that they call it a dance song. I don't see people necessarily dancing to this one. They had another, um, I feel like they had another big hit snap with the song, um, yeah, they did. It was called... Um,
2: Rhythm is a dancer. Yeah, that's, yeah Rhythm is a motion. dancer. Yeah.
0: Right? That was right. the other... Yeah, that was the big one. Um, yeah, Snap. Snap was... This song was huge. I love that that it was used in this movie. Uh, it's kind of fun. It, this song may come up again next month, <clears throat> by the way. Just saying, sort of. Will it? Mm-hmm. P- perhaps. Really? Interesting. In some respect. Why? Why? Oh. We'll get to that. Um but the lyrics do you, do you remember any of the lyrics to this song uh I've got the
2: power um and now that you said CNC C Factory I'm, I'm like uh this is the, the 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 back with the bass uh yeah cause the, the jam is in effect make me don't all don't waste time
0: uh gonna make me gonna make you sweat
2: Make you sweat. Yeah. That's what I'm that's what I'm thinking of. Well let's anyway, play a little
0: bit of let's play there. a little bit of mad libs here. Uh, like the crack of the blank. What would you insert there? Whip. Like the crack of the whip, I snap, attack, front to back in this thing called blank. In this thing called rap. Night. Exactly. Dig it like yeah. a shovel, rhyme devil on the heavenly level, bang the bass, turn up the blank. Treble, nice, radical mind, day and night, all the time, seven fourteen, wise, divine, maniac, blank.
2: Oh, oh, brainiac, brainiac,
0: nice, winning the game on the lyrical blank. Jester, no, how oh,
2: dare you? Oh, not the lyrical jester, Jesse hmm.
0: James. getting it's getting it's getting kind of what it's getting kind of what Hectic. Heavy. just weird
2: oh it's getting kind of heavy
0: yeah it's getting kind of heavy That's the oh. first That's the first one the, the second one is it's getting kind of hectic the first chorus is it's getting kind of heavy huh. then it goes to hmm. it's getting kind of hectic intriguing yeah but i'm impressed with your uh, drop in knowledge on the, the the lyrics to snaps i got the power
2: it's probably better than most of my, what does Dustin know, well, Patreon.
0: it's 90s, though, 90s. and for those of you that it's are 90s. Patreon subscribers, you know that Dustin owns the 90s, the 80s, 90s.
2: It is. It's really interesting that, right, we're an 80s podcast, but yet anytime I'm tested in 90s trivia, I get 100% Well, and, 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 I, and I fail the 80s every time.
0: I just want to point out, our intro clearly states 1978 to early 1992, <laughs>
2: It does. But I also feel like if I was tested in music from like 93 to like 98, I would probably, you know, or tested in whatever. Like I just, just, that was the 90s were my pop culture playground. So that tracks to me.
0: Well, we'll find out if they truly are. Yeah. uh, The next (laughs) edition of What Does Dustin Know? (laughs) This month is a Karate Kid edition. Next month will be 1991, Um, which is what this movie came out in. But, um w- did you ever work out to snap? I got the uh, the power? No. Did you ever dance to it? Yes. Did you ever play video games and listen to the song while playing video games?
2: No. Oh. I never played music while I was while I was gaming. How did you I dance to this focus. song? how did I dance to this song? You yeah. suddenly got like a, like a scowl. You're like, how did you, how'd you
0: dance to this song? Yeah. I'm curious.
2: Uh, you know, the running man, the, the, the Roger rabbit, the, uh, oh. um, I mean, yeah, there's just like any of those early nineties singles, black box, strike it up. Don't 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 don't. It's the same. It's the same. Yep. It's the same wheelhouse. It's the same dancing. It's true. Um,
0: things that make you go hmm oh yeah, you, you know so I was well because we're on the music tip, um, I was kind of shocked what albums came out in nineteen ninety one, like was oh, really surprised, really surprised, um and i and we're kind of segueing into fun facts about nineteen ninety one But did you know that uh, Soundgarden's um, Soundgarden's album? Did you know that Soundgarden's album "Bad Motorfinger" came out in 1991? Did you think it was later? Yeah. 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 I understand. Yeah, that seems early. That's crazy. Uh, According to Rolling Stone, uh, that that was their album of the year Mm. for 1991. Mm. Yeah, because like, oh, Temple of the Dog came out that same year.
2: Temple of the Dog came out in 91. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense cuz I was in I was in middle school.
0: And I believe that I believe Nirvana's Nevermind came that. out in 1991 as well.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is crazy to think about. That, um when I think that, about that grunge music, know. I feel like it came out later on in the 90s. I want to say later. like 94. But my God, yeah, 90, 1991. Uh,
2: that's, that's what I would say too. But then you start to think, you're like, okay, but where was I when this album was popular? And I can remember like walking down the middle school halls. Polly wants a cracker. You're like,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold I off. I don't mind stealing bread. <laughs> I used to cover that song back in the day. I'm going hungry. Well. You
2: covered every song.
0: I did. I covered Flickerstick song. songs. song
2: you've seen, every movie.
0: I covered Flickerstick songs. I, I, I did know that. I did know yeah. that. If you don't know who Flicker Stick the is, Tears,
2: Tears from a Clown, that
0: one. No, what?
2: There's a, there's a. It's not the name of the song, but that's the first line. Something about tears of a clown and. Well, do you
0: remember Chloroform? The one you love. Chloroform, the one, the one that you love. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they did beautiful. That was a big song. Beautiful. If you guys don't know anything that we're talking about right now, this was a, there was a VH one show called bands on the run in the, I want to say it was like the mid, mid nineties, mid to late nineties. Right. I think that was 2000 something. Oh, was it also, that late? Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Cause I saw them. I saw yeah, Flickr stick often. I saw, I saw them three or four times live.
2: I, I may need to check on that one. Cause that one's going to throw me too. So while um, while Dustin's
0: checking on that, I'll just tell you that this show, VH1's Bands on the Run, was basically like a... It was a reality game show uh, where, great concept, all these indie bands vied for the top prize of a record deal. Um, and so they would tour throughout the United States and whoever made the most money off of merch, ticket sales, uh, at the end would win. It doesn't matter how good they were. And then... You know, obviously you followed their lives while they were touring and Flicker Stick. There was another band. So there was like, I think, four or five bands on this show. Soul Cracker was another one. It came down to Soul Cracker and Flicker Stick and Flicker Stick. Um, they were great on camera. They did all the things that you, you would want to see in a reality TV show. They were very charismatic and cool and funny and edgy and all this stuff. Great band, very underrated band in my opinion. Like truly, really, really, really good rock band. Um, super talented dudes, but they kind of imploded.
2: Um, they did implode. Uh, April third, two thousand one, was when it first aired. Wow. Um, ten years after. And perfect uh, weapon. Ten years after perfect weapon, and my friend Rebecca Gibb was in the band Harlow.
0: Oh, cool. Uh, she was a drummer was of that
2: band they were great yes and then my my other friend she had sex with everybody in Flicker Stick so that was my connection to <laughs> <laughs> she really did and that was my Ooh, connection like... to to Bands on the Run and I enjoyed the show and then I ended up working for the the producer of that show um three years later and I was like what oh that's cool and it was uh that's my foray into the TV world
0: Oh wow, that's 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 cool. That's a that is that's that's a real fun fact. Um
2: I got a lot of a lot of bands on the run connection.
0: Oh man, we, we have to have a, a deeper dive into that into that show and the the bands and whatnot.
2: Yeah, we can just break break format. We'll get Rich Meehan, the producer of that show, on our show. We'll just talk about bands
0: on the run and I was so who's bummed ever interested, that- can listen. I would love to. I was so bummed that that show didn't yeah. like get wind up on DVD. I look for bootleg versions of the DVD cuz you got to see live performances which were really good. Um but I will tell you this band It's a great concept. Great concept. The the one one of the guys the one of the the guy the guitarist in uh Flickerstick, he h- had the nickname El Dangeroso. And I remember when I saw them at Slims in San Francisco. He at one point took a bottle of Jägermeister and just started guzzling it like it was a water bottle. Ugh. And I was Jesus. like, "Ooh, that's gonna kill your liver." But the guy was yeah. so talented. Anyways, Bands on the Run. Ten years later, uh, well, per- The Perfect Weapon came out in March of '91. Um, the next movie we're covering next month came out in April of '91. So ten years after, uh, with Bands on the Run, but i want to point out a couple more things about the year 1991 some notable things and again yeah. we will be you revisiting. better
2: hurry because we're almost hitting the 83 minute mark you better right hurry.
0: um i just really <laughs> quickly want to say and this tags on to martial arts madness uh street fighter 2 came out in 1991 Street Fighter II. The video game. not The, the video movie. game. The arcade video game. Yeah. Uh, quite possibly one of the greatest arcade games of all time, would you say?
2: I would say that I would play that over Tetris.
0: You know, one is 1984 and this, the other one's 1991. So,
2: You're saying when you were playing Tetris, it was 84? No.
0: I played Tetris in 1984. It was later. I did.
2: It was later. You were you were older. I did. Did you not say that if t- if you had a choice between like Street Fighter Two and Tetris, you'd go to Tetris? no? You
0: said, uh, you, said you said that you said that.
2: I asked I asked you would you do that? Right? Yeah, because and you were like yeah. Well, I I like Tetris <laughs> is great, and you
0: died on that. You died on that cross. No, well you <laughs> you said you said if i had the choice and i maybe i i was i was talking about the neon retro arcade in pasadena california quick shout out to that place cuz it's so cool if you're ever in the pasadena area um i played street fighter there and i also played tetris there
2: boom mm, i feel like you're like making this more democratic i feel i feel <laughs> <laughs> like there's a an edit happening because i i really felt like you were like no of course i'm going to play tetris over mm, other i don't think awesome i said games. that no all right, no. all right,
0: But all right. Let's go to the tape. There's a great retro arcade in Pasadena, California called the Neon Retro Arcade. Um, and you pay like $15 and you can play whatever arcade games you want for an hour.
2: And you don't go down there and play Tetris, that's for I sure. did, I played oh, Tetris. come on, what is happening?
0: <laughs> what? Sam. Well, I don't understand. Well, there's a lot of things you don't understand about me.
2: Okay, Derek, as an aside, if you have a choice of any game in an arcade, you're not going to go to
1: Tetris, right? You know, Dustin, I'm going to have to agree with you. Sorry, Zach. Oh, I, how I, dare I, you guys? I know. I hate to team up, but I've never even seen that arcade machine, but that's that, right. That's
0: cool. wow. I, yeah. I don't take offense. I don't take offense. That's okay. I, I want one more thing I want to point out. And you know, I, I love my wrestling. It's a very important no, moment. I didn't know that. 1991. Didn't
2: know that. You, you like wrestling?
0: Yeah, fun fact.
2: Hulk Hogan was uh, beaten by uh, Roddy Roddy Piper for the uh, WrestleMania two, 2 crown.
0: What? No.
2: No. This, WrestleMania 17. No. Um, no. Bronze the Giant got AIDS and it was very sad. No. <laughs> okay.
0: No. Junkyard
2: Dog was arrested for
0: uh, porn abuse. No. <sighs> That's all I got for the guesses. No. No, in 1991, this is a big deal because what war was going on in 1991? I assure
2: you it's not a big deal. Oh, this was Sergeant Slaughter. Yes. His appearance. Yes. So,
0: but what what war was going on? The Gulf War. Yeah. So, uh, tall, Stan
2: Proud voices the care crying out loud.
0: (laughs) Vince McMahon obviously was, uh, you know, he capitalized on uh, controversy and he took what, the the, one of the most patriotic characters in wrestling Sergeant Slaughter and made him a um, sympathizer for the Middle East uh, Iraqi sympathizer. And he, and he turned. So the ultimate quick backstory, the ultimate warrior was the world champion and he was, um, there's a lot of backstory as to like why Vince didn't want him to be the champion anymore. So he dropped the title to Sergeant Slaughter, which at at the time I was like, "There's no way this could happen," but it did. Who is going to defeat Sergeant Slaughter? But Hulk Hogan in 1991. Guess Hulk Hogan is America, right? So in March, March of he got that song
2: 1991, the big song. WrestleMania
0: Seven. Hulk Hogan defeated Sergeant Slaughter to become the new world champion. So. March 24th was that date. The perfect weapon came out in March as well, one week prior. Coincidence? What? No. But <laughs> just saying. <What? laughs> do, do. And that was held do, do, at the do, do. Los what? Angeles That was held in Los Angeles, but but there was so there were like bomb threats, uh death threats. And so they moved it to a smaller location. It was supposed to be at the LA Coliseum, Mm. but it was moved. So, Mm. anyways, Dustin could care clearly Mm. care less, but I know people listening are going, "Yeah,
2: that's good stuff." I don't care, but I will say that you are very excited, and that makes me happy. Where did you did you want to fly out for that one, or did just you just got the pay per view? I was
0: I watched the pay per view. I watched the pay per view. I spent probably forty five, fifty dollars on the pay per view. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't
2: old enough for that money.
0: <laughs> um, really quick, do you think you nineteen ninety one, what do you think the number one movie was in nineteen ninety one? The number one
2: the number one movie was uh uh Robin Hood Prince of Thieves.
0: Very close. That was number two. It was it was Terminator two,
2: Judgment mm. Day.
0: Get it. But there's more to talk about next month with 1991 when we cover something else related to that. So stay tuned for that. But as we wrap up, (laughs) as we wrap up, it's Martial Arts Madness. Uh, Last week, we talked about Karate Kid. This week, The Perfect Weapon. Next week, an interview with the one, the only Jeff Speakman. And then we round out the month with Don the Dragon Wilson. Holy cripes, guys. Come on. If, if you Can are, you believe it? If you have not yet subscribed to our show, you're just checking it out for the first time, hit subscribe, hit follow. Uh, if you can give us a five-star review, great. If you can write us a review, awesome. Check out our Patreon. It's yeah. It's got a lot of fun stuff on it. Um, support the Geekscape Network by checking out the other shows in the network. Uh, there's so much going on this month. Go to our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Bada bing, bada boom, YouTube. Our YouTube page. YouTube page. Um, we will have a... By the time we recorded this, uh, by, the, by the time this airs, uh, we'll have a live interview with Don the Dragon Wilson, the video version of it. So you can... Oh, watch, yeah, yeah. You can watch it there, and then the cleaned up kind of audio-only version will be released a week after Jeff Speakman.
2: Does that all make sense? Yes, that all makes sense. Yes, the timeline. I will also say... For those fans of martial arts madness, uh, last year, well, we've just interviewed a lot of cool martial artists, right? We've interviewed uh, Cynthia Rothrock. Outstanding. China O'Brien, friend of the show. Zach's uh, second wife. I'm going to cut that out. Um, uh, Kurt McKinney, star of No Retreat, No Surrender. Kurt McKinney. Um, Not Martin Cove, but Martin Cove's... Actually, Martin Cove's son, Jesse Cove, great guy. He he's yeah, uh, martial artist, um, sort of. Uh, action guy. Who else am I missing? Um, um, yeah, he's an action guy. Uh, uh, Richard Norton, um, uh, yeah, Richard Norton, Jim Cotta, a million other movies. Um, I feel like there's some other martial artists that I might be missing. No, I think we covered. Um, maybe not. I think that's but. it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, okay. it, we're, we are not a martial art podcast. We are pop culture and nostalgia, but we've had a lot of great legendary martial artists on our show. Um, Jeff's interview is really intense. Um, uh, it, it's, we'll talk more about it obviously next week in the intro. Um, and, and, and Don, the dragon Wilson is a freaking living legend in the history, in the world of martial arts. So, um, You know, I hope we hope you're enjoying this month. It's our favorite month. Uh, Derek Wayne Johnson, the director of King of the Underdogs, the John G. Avelton documentary last week was a great guest um, talking about the karate world of Karate Kid. There's So much stuff going on, guys. But if you've never seen Perfect Weapon, let us know what you thought. Go go watch it. Uh, Go check it out. I think it's free on Amazon. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, It might be if it's not uh it's not but 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 if you're inclined to check it out there. let us know what you thought of it um yeah oh my god it's getting kind Please of do. hectic knowing that this month it's is getting, halfway it's getting, over it's getting it's getting
2: oh man just started and it's over <laughs> it's sad the good news is
0: it happens once a year yeah check out our old shows yeah. like do a deep dive it's worth it uh that interview we did with Kurt McKinney last year. So good. Hopefully someday we'll get RJ on the show.
2: Oh, and you know what else? Here, I'm just going gonna, gonna to be crazy. Just email us uh, your thoughts once you watch it. Just shoot us an email. How about that? $2 late fee at gmail.com. We welcome the discussion. Um, and if you give us a review and you screenshot it, email us that too. We'll shout you out. We'll shout you out on all social medias. You'll get a huge, huge following, a huge burst of nostalgia fans will come out and they'll want to follow you and you can follow them. And then we'll create a community of, of, of love.
0: Yeah. Besides the shout outs, we, you guys, you guys know those of you that follow the show, those of you that have been with us since day one or soon after we hook up our fans. um, you know if if you sign up to our highest tier on our Patreon by the way you get a mixed cd curated by us on a, every 6 months um they're really good i'm actually uh by the time we tape this we're moving on to cd number 2 for some of our listeners and man dustin hasn't heard cd number 2 yet but dustin let me tell you this cd number 2 no, is no idea. just as good if not better than cd number 1 uh tracks that you to have a compilation of some of these amazing tracks is unbelievable. I
2: I can't even, I can only imagine, uh, you know, we're just throwing it out there today. I feel, I feeling like a little crazy and awesome. Let's, um, uh, what else can I say? Um, I had another thought and it escaped me. Uh, Oh, here's what it is. Vinegar syndrome. Uh, so graciously provided a bunch of movies for us and it's almost time for a giveaway too. So, um, yeah. So look for that, guys. The, the important thing is, is that you you know interact with us, follow us, subscribe to us. It, there are good things coming your way if you do.
0: Do it. Do it all. And uh, you got the power. We got the power. March to our time.
2: Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win. Even in the 80s. All right, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it.
0: Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it a five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at 2 dollars com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFee Podcast. We'll see you next time.
1: We did it. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Binge Town TV. Pitch Town TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast.
0: You're listening to the Geekscape Network.